Welcome to the Shack 15 Conversations podcast, where we invite founders, innovators, and changemakers to share ideas with the community, speak to the experience of building their businesses, and unlock some of the hard-earned wisdom collected along the way. In this episode, we'll join our moderator, Ben Davis, founder of Illuminate, the homegrown nonprofit organization responsible for lighting up the Bay Bridge. And that's just one act in an ambitious campaign to turn San Francisco into a home for massive works of public art that inspire humanity's better nature. Ben will be in conversation with our speaker, Patrick Carney, the gentleman behind another suitably ambitious project known as the Pink Triangle, an ode to the dark history of LGBT persecution and the resulting emergence of pride as a social movement manifested as a colorful symbol of hope and inclusion on the horizon of San Francisco. This year, in lieu of the 50th anniversary of SF Pride, Ben and Patrick and their respective communities have teamed up to bring a whole new dimension to the beloved annual tradition of the Pink Triangle. And we're here to find out what, where, why, and critically, how we can help. Enjoy. Ben Davis here with Illuminate. And um, while Patrick and Carney and I have had many conversations over the years. I don't think anyone's ever had the opportunity to listen in to us talking, uh, but it's really, uh, this is our first, uh, what we think will be a series of conversations heading into Pride Month and heading into the January, excuse me, the June 27th global grand lighting of Patrick Carney's 25th edition of the Pink Triangle on Twin Peaks. Hi Patrick, how are you doing? Good, how are you Ben? I'm doing very well Patrick, let's, so let's jump into it, but let's jump into it a different way. You and I have been in the weeds worrying about insurance, worrying about goats eating weeds on the hillside, worrying about how we're gonna get permissions, all the permissions we need and everything else. But let's step way back for a second uh, and sort of acknowledge that, you know, the specialness of what we're working on here. To have with your 25 years of diligence, the ability to sort of work with something as powerful as a symbol, a symbol of global significance is really an amazing thing. Take, take me back to, to your first time you sort of became aware of this symbol, what it meant to you then and, and what it means to you now. I first became aware of the symbol back in the 80s during the HIV AIDS, the heart of the pandemic. And a group called ACT UP, AIDS Coalition to Unleash Power, took this symbol on my chest from the Holocaust and turned it upside down so it was pointing upward as an act of defiance. The Nazis used the pink triangle in concentration camps to identify and persecute the homosexual prisoners. And obviously we know where, where the death camps led to. So the pink triangle was taken over by ACT UP and that's when I first became aware of it. But the pink triangle project on Twin Peaks wasn't quite so noble. It started out as just an adding a little color to the pride parade. A friend of mine were looking up, trying to figure out what we could do to add a little color to the parade. And I said, look at Twin Peaks. It's a beautiful blank canvas. It just it needs some love and, and a spotlight. So that's where the pink triangle came from on Twin Peaks. It was only later that we realized people didn't know what it meant. They thought it was just another abstract symbol to represent the gay community, like the rainbow flag. And of course, there's sort of the yin and yang of the gay rights symbols. The rainbow flag was born out of love and optimism and hope, whereas the pink triangle has a very tragic origin. So when I found that out, that's when the pink triangle commemoration ceremony started. That's great. You know, I, I've been thinking about this with you a lot, and I sometimes think that the Gilbert Baker's flag, if that's the American flag, the pink triangle is sort of the eagle, the other symbol of sort of the fierceness that comes in. Um, very powerful, but but also, you know, in some ways sharp and has a history to it um, that is not all just, just sort of love and rainbows. It's, it's got some depth, which is to me what's so fascinating about it. As Gilbert Baker said, the, the rainbow flag is the anecdote to the pink triangle. So you've been doing the pink triangle for 25 years. Uh, when did Gilbert Baker bring the flag into sort of into being here in San Francisco? I believe that was Pride of 78. He was asked to, um, to bring a, a flag or a symbol into the, to the 78 Gay Pride Parade. When Harvey Milk had just been elected six months before he was uh, assassinated in City Hall here in San Francisco. So quite an interesting year uh, in terms of Pride. Two or three years before the outbreak of AIDS. Uh, so quite a pretty much a raucous time in the city, I imagine. Were you here for that time? I was. I came here about three months after Harvey Milk was assassinated. So, so I missed, you know, meeting him. 
but I got here while things were still wild and free. And then, you know, in early 81, they started, you started hearing about, you know, this gay cancer, the Cavity sarcoma. So I was here for about, you know, two years of the, of what the wild 70s were about. You know, it, it's, it's uh, super interesting. I feel very fortunate to know you at all, to be able to pick up the phone and call you and share an idea of uh, during this trying year when, you know, be, when you and I started talking, which was only about, you know, 42 days ago or whatever it was, um, Pride had not been canceled yet. The 23rd International AIDS Conference that's happening here in San Francisco hadn't been, hadn't gone virtual yet. And I don't mean to say that Pride was canceled. The parade was canceled. But already I sort of was thinking, well, I wonder what Patrick's going to do this year. And, and maybe this is the year it would be really amazing to, while you've lit this triangle seven times in previous years, to sort of bring it to another level of vibrancy. Um, and I'm really honored to do so. You know, we had a chance to illuminate, to interact with sort of the history and the infrastructure of the city. And uh, so whether it's the 75th anniversary of the Bay Bridge or 140 years of the Conservatory of uh, Flowers, or being in Grace Cathedral, um, or the 40th anniversary of Milk's election, for me, I think you've created a piece of spiritual infrastructure in San Francisco. It's, it's, it's really interesting. Early on, I said, you know, well, what is it, Patrick? What, what, is, what do you call the thing you create on the hillside? So what, do you, what do you call it? Well, initially, it was a, re a renegade crafts project. I call it art, but it started, <laughs> started out in the dark of night so we wouldn't get arrested. So we climbed up on the hill at just before sunrise. You know, we were up there with the car at 4.30 a.m., unloading the tarps and the 12-inch long steel spikes. And we snuck over a little further than where it currently is. We had it, it was so small then that it lined up exactly on Market Street. So it was around the bend on Twin Peaks. So we snuck up there and it literally was a renegade crafts project, which has now, of course, gone mainstream. But so it was, you know, a craft project that is, we now consider art in the way of, um, you know, the famous Italian sculpture um, that wrapped the Pont Neuf. Yeah, Cristo. Cristo, yeah. It's Hungarian, I think, but yes. Hungarian, yes. Anyway, so it's definitely art, but it's definitely homemade, homegrown, and it's a community building project. It brings everyone together in the Castro. We get Elderly couples, the oldest has been my, my mother, my 94-year-old mother was up there helping with the hammer. And the youngest is generally about three years old. So a lot of people come up from the Castro and all over the Bay Area and they bring their hammers and they all get a pink triangle t-shirt. We have them in toddler size and um, you know infant size. So it, it's great, it really builds community and it lets families introduce the gay community to their children at an early age to get to know us one-on-one -on -one and to learn uh, that you know, acceptance is important. It's, you know, it's fantastic. Uh, you have hundreds of volunteers who come up on an annual basis uh, and help you go to this act of co-creation of the symbol on the hillside. We do, we get elected officials, we get um, people from far away. We get a lot from Southern California actually. And generally we get a lot of tourists. There's a lot of promotion the couple of weeks before Pride. So people coming in from England or Australia will see it on the list of things to do. So they'll come up there and that will be the first event they partake in and during Pride Weekend. It's sort of the kickoff to Pride. Amazing. You know, Patrick, talk a little bit about this year, what's happening and why it's different, why we're doing it, you know, the challenges. We're still facing them as we go through this, all the ambiguity of this time that we're in. You know, can we have people gather? Can they do things? But, but uh, you know, maybe we should align again anyway. We, we haven't talked in a couple of days. What, what, tell people what we're, what we're planning on doing or we can share that bird. Well, generally we have a one acre pink triangle that has, it's 200 foot long, more or less on each leg. And there are 175 bright pink tarps that commemorate paragraph 175, the German statute that locked people up in, in prisons prior to the Holocaust. Anyway, we probably can't do the middle this year because of social distancing. So we're determined to have something, even if myself and my husband and my sister have to put up the outline ourselves. we'll do that. There'll be something up on Twin Peaks. And then the volunteers would arrive the next day and we call it coloring between the lines. They would just show up and install the, the, the tarps between. So this year it's going to be you instead with 43 rows of 2700 bright pink LED light nodes. And it's gonna be spectacular. So you tell us what you have planned. 
Well, I, I will. It's, it is exciting. And let me just not bury the lead here completely. One of the reasons Patrick and I are taking some time out of our busy creation schedule is because we need everyone's help. Uh, this is very much a community project. The hundreds of volunteers that made help Patrick make this. We're going to convert some of that energy into crowdfunding energy. We know everyone's having a hard time or dealing with anxieties. Uh, and we're not asking any organizations to sort of jump on this. But we think that in, you know, in the smaller donations between the thousand and twenty-five bucks, we can get this done. Uh, we're one third of the way there, so people can go to the Grow, GoFundMe site. But what we're doing, taking Patrick's beautiful triangle, which appears to be equilateral from Market Street and across the city, but actually is sort of in Patrick's genius as an architect, elongated, that's an illusion. Um, and we'll create, uh, again, 2,700 uh, LEDs on these lines in very neat configuration, a little bit like the Bay Lights. Uh, Illuminate was worked with Leo Villarreal on the Bay Lights. Not, not associated with Leo in any way whatsoever. He's an amazing artist who's completely responsible for the aesthetics of the Bay Bridge. But we learn a lot from Leo. And, uh, and so we'll have about um, you know, 10% of the lights that are on the Bay Bridge, but in a much more compressed area. We'll have four feet between rows as opposed to 30 feet. And we think we can create a very vibrant symbol of hope, of resilience, uh, of, uh, and remembrance, and really create in this calm moment in San Francisco, this one place that's not virtual that we can all look up to and connect to. And further, we're working to create this moment because San Francisco matters so much. Sometimes people in San Francisco forget how much we matter to the rest of the world. You know, where we sort of take it for granted here, but if you're a kid in Egypt or that kid in Altoona, Pennsylvania, uh, San Francisco means a lot more than just a place. It's, it's a place of freedom, of equality, a place where you can live your own life out loud. So we're, create, we're having a global grand lighting on June 27th. And one more piece before I turn back to Patrick. We are super delighted to have as our executive producer of that event, a woman named Patricia Wilson, former CEO of Make-A-Wish Northern California, who was the driving force behind the Bat Kid phenomenon. So, you know, Bat Kid phenomenon was this bizarre moment that really galvanized the city's attention with signals coming down from the space station. And we wanna have this beautiful moment during this dark time of, of light and optimism, even, even as we power through the remembrance of this, uh, this symbol. And we, and we are the only city in the world with the pink triangle. All the other cities have, you know, they're festooned with rainbow flags and balloons and vested outfits, but only one city has a giant pink triangle in the middle of the city. And so despite the pandemic, thanks to Ben's lighting concept, we're, it's going to shine brighter than ever for the 50th anniversary of Pride and the 25th pink triangle atop Twin Peaks. It's going to be spectacular. You know, we're, uh, I'm fortunate to collaborate with a lot of people but sometimes you meet a person. Patrick and I, we're quite different in many ways, but I love Patrick and we have this great uh, kind of connection. Uh, in fact, one of the reasons I was thinking about the pink triangle is through this pandemic, I, I'm working at my desk in the daytime, trying to think of ways to not wait until the other side, but to bring light into the world now. And my routine is to go up and bike in, on Twin Peaks where the gates are now closed and I bike back and forth. And at one point I was, as, just after we started this project, I. I don't know what compelled me, but I decided I'd like to hear that song. I was thinking, actually, I was thinking about the Pink Triangle in, in Nazi Germany and thinking about the movie Cabaret and thinking about how Nazi Germany was one of the most out and flamboyant and beautiful places. And then eight years later or less, you know, Hitler comes in and the Pink Triangle emerges and people are getting pushed onto the cattle cars. So I played the song Cabaret with Liza Minnelli singing, what good is sitting alone in your room? And the pandemic moment kind of crushed over me and I texted it to Patrick who said, who told me what you said, what you texted back. Uh, oh, I said of all the, the celebrities who have spoken, the, the biggest one that was going to speak was Liza Minnelli. Through her, um, her PR person, he agreed that she would read the history of the Pink Triangle that year. I think that was 2010. And then earlier in that week, you know, when the week arrived, he said, um, what, time, what time do you want Liza there on Friday? <laughs> and I said, it's Saturday. <laughs> he said, oh, she won't be in town any longer. Anyway, so that, that was disappointing. But we have had a lot of, of great people that have given the history of the Pink Triangle, including Michael Tilson Thomas and um, Cloris Leachman and Andy Bell of Erasure, Bruce Valance, Leslie Jordan. So we try and start the ceremony with some prominent person who tells the history of the Pink Triangle. So the ceremony starts out rather somberly, and then it progresses to something festive. We, 
during the course of the one hour ceremony, we usurp the symbol and it goes from tragic to festive. And that's how we kick off Pride Weekend. All in one hour, we do the whole 80 year run of, of, of emotion. That's great. Well, what I, what I was thinking of exactly was when I texted that to you, you said, do you have a listening device in my house? We're just listening to that right now. And then later in that week, when I was, we were gonna go meet up on Twin Peaks to take a look at the site together from a safe physical distance. I'm looking up in the sky and the sky, the planes are starting to fly again and I see a contrail creating a triangle in the sky and I'm kind of thinking, wow, I'm losing my mind. I'm seeing triangles everywhere. And then suddenly Patrick pick, texts me on his way up a picture of the same triangle in the sky I'm looking at. I'm like, I'm on a weird wavelength with this guy. It's great. Definitely a connection. No, it's great. So speaking of supporting this project and cool things, one of the things we've, we've got, we've had made by a great jewelry maker in the Tahoe area, James Cole, is this beautiful little illuminated pendant with its own beautiful box. So for folks who can come in and want to support this project in a big way, maybe make a matching gift that we can raise money against. We're delighted to share this little gift with you. We'd probably share it with you anyway. I don't know if you think about this a lot, but we go through a world on a daily basis where we're inundated with advertisements and images and we see Nike logos and Apple logos and Comcast logos and AT&T and all day long we're sort of blasted with logos. Uh, and then this thing that looks like a logo but is in fact something quite different comes along. Do you, do you think about the power of a symbol? Well it's quite, it's quite a powerful symbol and there's, there's a whole array of, of triangles. That's, that's the tragedy. And out of all those many colored triangles, the pink triangle turns out to have been the largest triangle so that the guards could spot those wearing the pink triangle from, from afar. And they were especially singled out to receive you know, extra harsh treatment. And what many people don't know is that after the war, those who wore the pink triangle were put back in prison and the nightmare continued. Can you imagine that after the worldwide outcry, after everyone witnessed the videos of the concentration camps being liberated, the people starving, the piles of corpses, all the amazing imagery, discrimination and hatred still continued. So out of all those who wore the pink triangle, some, those wearing the pink triangle, were put back in prison and the nightmare continued. You know, they had brown for gypsies, pink for homosexuals, blue for immigrants. But imagine coming up with, with the system, a whole array of undesirables. It's the same discrimination that people still exist. You know, blacks, Hispanics, gays, you know, so many people. It's a system of other. The Nazis were geniuses at um, scapegoating others, taking attention away from the other problems in society and pointing at the group of others. And those people, you know, were targeted. Some wonder, can it happen again? Is it happening now? You know, the um, acceptance of LGBT rights in national opinion polls has gone down the last three years. Let that sink in. It's gone down after decades and decades of advancement in public opinion polls, our acceptance is going down. So this demonizing and labeling and pointing out others as, as the scapegoats for their problems, you know, the Nazis weren't the only geniuses at doing that. You know, I mean, Patrick, it's, it's super interesting. And I, I, Illuminate always tries to find the transcendent space, but everything we do is actually based on some form of rage where we try and find the love and the rage. And this is the moment to do that. But I'm, I'm, you know, I'm extremely disturbed by the idea of the other and the repetition, seeming repetition of history in the place that we're at right now. And it's one of the reasons I'm delighted to have the opportunity, the honor to work with you on this project, this symbol. Let's stick with the idea of the symbol for a second. There's a question about symbol, how important is symbology? For me, it's super important because symbols are strange, strange things. Um, you know, when I first started thinking about working with this symbol in another context, which hopefully Illuminate will get to at some point, uh, I tried to think who, you know, who owns this symbol? No one owns a symbol. People have copyright issues with other things, but a symbol is sort of this other thing what I really loved about your perspective on this symbol when we talked was, you know, it comes from the most brutal of origins, from fear, death, isolation. Uh, the most horrible place you can possibly imagine, not just the concentration camps, but singled out for horrible treatment within those prisons in concentration camps in an extra measure. Um, and then there's this moment of sort of silence, I guess, is the great way to put it, where uh, when the HIV AIDS crisis comes along, 
this queer and ACT UP movement grabs it. I wish I could like, commit to memory what ACT UP stands for. It has a great Mac acronym. Say it again. Um, AIDS Coalition to Unleash Power. Good for them, man. And they take this symbol and they're basically, we're not going quietly this time. And they just are making noise. They take this, the triangle, they put on that poster, silence equals death. I still moved by the artwork around it, Keith Haring's piece and other folks sort of bringing this symbol up. But it was scary. It was scary as, you know, sort of a straight person seeing this, like, what is this group? And they're not behaving properly, um, but, you know, bless them. And then this great moment of reappropriation, that which marks us for death, we now claim as a matter of pride. And to see this symbol move up with this ascendancy from death, fear, and isolation to love, hope, and inclusion, to me is, it's, it's a mad, majestic uh, sort of ascendancy. I'm enthralled by it, that, that humans can take this symbol that is nothing but a three shapes in color, I mean, three sides in color, imbue it with meaning and then elevate the meaning. You've got to do that. It's got to be an, an in-your-face kind of rebellion. And that's what the pink triangle is. It's the giant in-your-face educational tool. As Gilbert Baker said, the pink triangle is a warning. So we put it up there as a giant in-your-face um, reminder of where hatred can lead. You know, this is what happens when hatred and bigotry are allowed to become law. We're ironically watching... Um, during the shutdown, we're watching Hulu's um, the, the Handmaid's Tale. And it's kind of what happens when, um, when hatred can become law. And so the pink triangle, like you said, it, you've got to be in your face sometimes. We've got to um, stand up and say, we're not going to take it anymore. And that's what ACT UP did. Yeah, I mean, but, but you know, the, the Nazis, ACT UP, and then Pride, this moment of, of reappropriation where, you know, in some ways it sheds some of the act up energy because it has to right you can't just keep storming the, the the lunch counters at Woolworths and protest there's like it's time to move on to the next phase of whatever this is going to be and part of that is that act of inclusion and also I think it's a form of beautiful normalization where you know you have kids and families and others who are coming in and now participating in the manifestation of this which is beautiful isn't it amazing that it goes from a symbol of death to a symbol of community building but it's an educational tool and that's, that's what it does. And it, like I said, it morphs during that one hour ceremony from hatred into acceptance. But it's so inspiring to see all of those children up there and they really get into it. It's really, um, it's not ex exclusive in any way. It's fully inclusive. We want everybody to be part of it. So much different than the Holocaust. It really is beautiful. It makes me, it makes me miss that expression, even though I'm excited what we're going to be doing. But obviously, that you know, we're going to have to figure out how to roll a little differently for a while here until we can uh, interact with that that kind of beauty. It makes me, makes me long a lot of things to see people work that beautifully together on a project yeah. like this. Social distancing makes building community difficult. You know, it's possible to do it in one on one's computer monitor, but to be there shoulder to shoulder building it. So this year it's going to be a nighttime experience and we have big plans for that. It's going to be a moment, as you say. People will be out on their balconies looking out of their windows for this global grand lighting. It's really something we want everyone to tune into. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm moved by the idea that everything that matters in life is invisible. And so even though we're creating this triangle on the hillside, what really thrills me is this space between the people and the triangle when they're looking at it from their balconies and their windows and their streets and so forth. And then the space between those people when they start to tune into that energy, creating this tapestry of triangles, infinite number of triangles between people and the space and so forth. It, it's really what art is about. It's, it's not actually the art itself, it's the energy that it creates and then the energy between people around it. And the idea that San Francisco during this challenging time of a pandemic, a city that has lived through a pandemic, uh, and, you know, and found when there was no federal response, Reagan couldn't even say the word AIDS for five years, that, you know, somehow this community figured out how to do that with care and compassion with, and great risk along the way. Um, I think it's important that the city do this at this time uh, and, and, and bring this message and the symbol forward, including the lessons that come with it. I want to say one other thing, because when I first called you and I said, Patrick, you know, what's the story this year? You said two things right at the bat. Well, it's the 25th and 25th year of the triangle and the 50th year of pride. I'm like, oh shit, we have to do this. <laughs> just have to do this. But talk to me a little bit about, about your experience. Uh, you say you came here in like, you know, seven, it sounds like early 1979, pre-AIDS world. And then you lived through a whole challenging time. Talk, talk to me about your experience coming through that and what it means as you come through this moment. 
Well, I got here um, just before Christmas of um, 78. And I went, I was uh, going to graduate school at UC Berkeley to get my Master of Architecture. So that was sort of my coming out period. I would come across the bridge and, you know, it was the, it was the gay mecca. It was a, a whole different world. And then in early of 81, it, it all came crashing down and it became a, a very, you know, a, a very sad time in the Castro. It, the population of the, you know, the street scene um, diminished greatly. And as one of the HIV positive people from that early era, you know, I've had it now, the doctor estimates 39 years this year. So it's for those of us who survived that, it's, it's really important to tie those two pandemics together, HIV, AIDS, and COVID, to show that you know we we have lessons to share, as you always say, and and we're still going strong. And that's when I learned about the pink triangle, as we discussed earlier, and it's sort of supersized. But the, despite the large size of it, to me, the most gigantic aspect of it is the educational component and the opportunity to participate. That that's where where it gives back to the city. It's not just a size, but it's what, what it represents to the community. So that period was very um, disappointing that so many of us were ignored. You know, at least COVID, everybody is getting coverage. You know, and they're trying to stop the spread of it or trying to, trying to shut it down. That didn't happen. Like you said, Ronald Reagan didn't mention it for five years. And, and his friend Elizabeth Taylor dragged him to an event and made him say something. He didn't do it out of graciousness. So it's... Uh, it's so disappointing to find out your society doesn't really care about you. And that some people think it's good riddance, you know, fewer, fewer gays, so much the better. So at least with COVID, all of society seems to be standing up. So it's because everybody's involved. We're all in this together. And really at, during HIV AIDS, we were all in it together as well. But a silver lining is everybody ended up knowing somebody that was gay. They had an uncle or a school teacher or a friend or a brother, somebody who, had HIV and, some, and knew someone who died. Yeah. But it helped advance, the, something horrendous like that helped advance gay rights. You know, it took something outrageous to have. You know, we'll never get those people back. It's just a shame what, what we went through and the loss to the arts community and everywhere else because people didn't care. At least we care about COVID, getting rid of it. And I'm, I'm excited about the possibilities of working with you, Patrick, and your 25-year history of working on this project and a decade, two couple of decades before that of being, you know, helping people in this city going through that crisis. And I'm, I'm excited for, you know, now going on to about a decade of Illuminate, trying to figure out how to make a difference energetically in the city of San Francisco in a super generous way. Um, and, then, and then being coupled up with, you know, uh, Patricia Wilson and the Bat Kid phenomenon to sort of have this reach. And, and you know, she has this idea of the hashtag pink hero, who's your, who's your sort of, you know, uh, pride hero. And, and, I, and I, love, I love the fact that we're sort of bending the lines between this uh, renegade installation and public art installations and more sort of social uh, outreach and moving into the tools of social media and just letting San Francisco shine in this time of darkness, um, which is, you know, it, it's a beautiful testament to human energy that we're able to do this. I'm gonna sort of dip into some of the Q&As. Um, one of the questions is just, you know, talk about the difficulty of building community in the context of social distancing. Um, what are the opportunities created at the same time? Well, this, this project is an example of an opportunity. This project, I don't think we could ever have surged like we've surged in this short time frame without the constraints of knowing that one, we had to do something, and two, that everybody who we sort of call is at their computer and ready to meet with us <laughs> for the most part. Um, and there's this burning desire, burning desire to contribute to something greater than yourself that is positive in this moment. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm super delighted by that possibility, even as you and I, you know, we sort of struggle on a daily basis. How do we, how do we engage people properly? How do we keep this ball moving down the field? Well, people are hungry for something live. There's a lot of pride that will be virtual and this will be live. They can actually see it. Some people, there is a possibility some could help put up the outline. We could maintain, you know, six to eight foot distancing. And the ceremony itself, perhaps there'll be a live component where people can gather. Um, yeah. The speakers could be six to eight feet apart. But it is actually happening. You know, it's not just graphics on the computer. Come the end of June, there's going to be something real on Twin Peaks, something to actually look at. There'll be part of Pride that's really there to, to actually see. So that's... You know, that's important in this era of, of social distancing. 
you know, another, another question that's up there is, you know, you know, can this last a little longer? What's the idea behind, you know, beyond uh, the weekend? And um, typically Patrick's beautiful manifestation of that pink triangle, which you seem to, if you're a San Franciscan, you either sort of know about it or you don't somehow, because I think pride is such an amazing distraction on Market Street. Sometimes your eyes don't go up the hill to Twin Peaks and catch this monumental, beautiful pink triangle that you can see from the East Bay on certain days. Well, let me, let me go back for a second to what's gonna happen this year and what may happen in future years. Um, Illuminates, the uh, way we roll, our MO is that we, uh, we, we create nothing that requires paid admission. You know, we really have a, our, our, our mission statement is that we rally large groups of people together to create impossible works of public art that through awe, free humanity's better nature. And it is our habit to gift our installations uh, as much as we possibly can. So the Bay Lights were gifted to the people of California where they now shine in perpetuity. The Conservatory of Flowers was gifted to Reckon Park and the Conservatory of Flowers, the illumination of that structure. Um, Grace Light and Grace Cathedral, for those who've been fortunate enough to experience that so far, has been gifted to the cathedral. And we very much are making a gift of these lights that hopefully you'll contribute to, uh, to helping fund to Patrick Carney and the Pink Triangle Project moving forward. This year, instead of staying up just for the weekend, we'll stay up at least through the end of the Virtual AIDS uh, International Conference on June 10th, July 10th, it's from July 6th to July 10th. Um, and we have, we're moving so fast, we haven't quite planned yet what it means to close this thing down, but we're thinking it might be time for the sisters to bring back the pink party or something. It's time for a little extra celebration at the end of this process. And then, you know, we'll see, it's really up to Patrick. Um, but I'll state my wishes. I'm, I'm, on, I'm unabashed about dreaming out loud. I think that Pride Month should be distinguished in San Francisco by this, by this triangle. And I think that if the lights look good and Patrick thinks they look good and we can figure out how to help, help him in a meaningful way, continue to put them up there and it works for his plans, that they could become sort of the June 1st through the end of June installation in San Francisco to remind us of this month and this time. And, uh, and furthermore, you know, my, my true fantasy of fantasies, and Patrick has bought into this a little bit, we're thinking about it is, Ultimately, maybe that would be an area that we would get that volunteer energy to plant with native plants that would bloom pink in June and we would create a giant uh, symbol on the side of the hill in San Francisco that's just sort of a living, growing reminder of our love and hope. Um, so there we go. That's, that's, you know, that's where these ideas typically wander out to and can become. Big plants. And we have looked into that over the years of what plant it would be that wouldn't require water. But wouldn't it be great if it just bloomed naturally? But of course, the lighting. Thank you to Illuminate for donating an acre of pink LED lights. <laughs> well, we're, you know, we're just a conduit. We're, we're doing our best, but we, we always need the help of people. We can't, we can do nothing alone. We're, we, and especially, you know, we don't take any corporate funds. We refuse to put a logo on anything. That's why you'll never see a logo on the Bay Bridge or a Twitter or a tweet or whatever you want to call it. There's, we have a, we bring, we think we're sort of shepherds of the public space and we really want to treat that with integrity. So we don't create anything um, that we can't create without community help. And, uh, and that's why, you know, it's, we don't always crowdfund. Typically, we're sort of going after the big, bigger philanthropic dollars. But we think this is a good time for people to be able to contribute something in the city. Um, in terms of volunteerism, I think I'm seeing some, some questions around volunteerism. I don't blame you for wanting to help this project. This project is amazing. On a normal basis, Patrick has hundreds of volunteers up there. It's beautiful. Um, but we do have to pay attention to the rules of safe social physical distancing. So we'll have a very contained experience um, process up there of, of, of installation with small teams uh, who are really focusing on making sure they're paying attention to the rule sets associated with that. However, that said, you know, this idea of the global grand lighting in San Francisco shining more broadly around the world means that, you know, reach out to us if you have skill, passion, desire to help us spread this message special gifts along the way. One of the reasons that Patricia Wilson is so successful is that she's fluid and she can, if you have something you can offer, if you're a corporation, if you're maybe a, a creative agency that uh, has lost your key clients for now, but you've got your PPP money in and you want to keep going and have a big, beautiful, meaningful project that's going to bloom in 32 nights, you know, reach out to, reach out to me, reach out to Illuminate, and we will find a way to take, you know, your time, your talent, and your treasure if you wanna to go to the GoFundMe site and apply it to this project. And in terms of technology, I'm seeing a question around uh, technology. You know, the, the, the truth is that I'm not very technical. I'm a dreamer and, and I trust people a lot. I surround myself with talent. Uh, so we have some great folks, uh, just an array of people 
uh, Seabright Lighting, Light Switch, uh, um, I don't even know the names of the companies, but Anthony Mann and other folks who are doing installation were, were being creative with a Junkston Construction and California Story Pole, and, and on and on the list goes of people who are sort of leaning in and figuring out how to help, how to help us create this beautiful installation uh, on the side of the hill. At the end of the day, it will be a sort of a superstructure that has a few posts and wires and will create 43 lines of lights with 2,700 individually addressable LEDs that will uh, not behave like a screen. Uh, you will not see a waving American flag on there or a spinning 25 um, because the whole point is to honor that symbol. But you will see some, um, some energy, some movement, some patterns, something that calls your attention to it, staying within the realm of honoring this symbol uh, and helping the symbol on its path of ascendance. So let's talk a little bit about, um, about what's happened since we started this project, Patrick. You know, the, the idea of the Pride Parade canceled. You know, what are, you, what are your feelings? When we first talked about it, I said, well, Patrick, if, if Pride happens, fantastic. And if Pride doesn't happen, maybe even more fantastic because the symbol becomes that more important in a calm space. What are, what are, your, what are your feelings? Well, we needed to do something with, with Pride being, being virtual. So, so that's why it's, why it's happening. We need, that. we need it to be festive. It's the 50th anniversary of Pride, the 25th Pink Triangle. Something festive will happen. Somebody's just sending an e a message about getting t-shirts. So if you want a t-shirt and you've donated, you could email me at pat724car at gmail.com. And we're getting special t-shirts made but we want you to be as festive as possible. So <laughs> Ben's got his, you get it. You. And someone has generally asked, you know, what can we, the people do to help? So I don't know, you know, I'm not sure, but we, we're kind of making up what it means to give, give our t-shirts and our gifts away. But in general, we want to, we want to just completely live in the realm of generosity. Uh, mostly say thank you and lavish people who have given gifts to the project and figure out how to give gifts to those who want them and so forth. There is a GoFundMe, uh, excuse me, the charity GoFundMe site. If you, uh, I think we can put that back in the chat window. It's already there. Um, please go there. Uh, give what you can. I know it's a tough time for many, um, but this project doesn't happen without the help of many. We're really, we're really counting on the fact. We're about one third of the way there, one week into it, which is both good, but not quite the rocket ship we're hoping for yet. Um, but we've got 32 nights to go and, and a city to sort of lift the spirits up. So please go to, please, you know, again, go to the GoFundMe site if you can and, and, and do your best to spread the word uh, to others. And then mark your calendar now for June 27th, the, the global grand lighting. We don't really, we made that term up. We don't know what it means yet, but we have high expectations, especially with Patricia Wilson, Bat Kid, uh, Phenom uh, involved in the project. And your participation is, is greatly encouraged and you will get one of these t-shirts if you, um just put in the memo line on the GoFundMe that you're interested in one of the t-shirts or one of the pendants. It's a beautiful piece. Again, a, a great jewelry maker, good spirit, uh, James Cole up in Tahoe helped us make that. And, and again, he also, he's kind of etched little boxes. I love all the detail. People are so passionate and they're so beautiful. Helping us create amazing things. And um, these triangles show up, show up all over town. I, I even saw one in Europe, someone wearing one. So I've given probably 6,000 of these t-shirts away and they show up all over. So if you'd like one, just let me know. Patrick, you're married. Got a husband who's saying I haven't met him yet because of the physical distancing. Um, I actually heard the, heard the door open and close. So he is here. Hi, Hussein. Host, uh, when did you get married? What year? We've been together um, almost 23 years. We've been legally married since it was allowed in 2013. We got married by Mayor Lee in his private office. That was fun. The whole family was there. You didn't catch the 2006 wave, whatever it was, under... Uh... We, we were in line in 2004, 2004 for about an hour. And then I thought, you know, this really isn't fair to my mother and sisters. You know, if, we, if, if it does stick and it's legal and they weren't here. So we got out of line. But we went every day to take flowers and support those who were in line. It was an amazing thing, you know, the... The Valentine's Day of Love. It was it was spectacular. Uh, it's so funny, you know. What do you think? You've been here for a long time. What do you think this? What do you think? What do you think Pride looks like next year? 
Well, Pride next year is going to be a rebirth. I mean, it's going to be everything you can imagine pent up in people. People have been planning for this for a year. You know, all the drag queens have been sewing. They've had special wigs made. They've had giant boa capes made. The, uh, the parade contingents have been working on their floats. The band had special things commissioned. They have so much pent up talent and display items. It's, it's going to be an explosion. So the 51st Pride is, is going to be, here's a Pride, I, a photo I took last year at Pride, and you can, you can see the pink triangle above it, but, you know, it was wild then. The one year I was in Pride, I was honored for the pink triangle, so they got me a special pink um, BM, BMW convertible. They had it custom wrapped in pink, and my 92-year-old mother, almost 93-year-old mother at the time, rode in the parade with me. It was spectacular. The energy in the Pride Parade is, you know, you cannot um, under, you just cannot describe how, how amazing it is to hear, hear a million people screaming at you as you go up Market Street. Here's a question we haven't been asked yet, but it's a good question. Where's the best place to, to witness the global grand lighting? Well, the best place would be the roof of the cafe on Market Street, but <laughs> closed. That's where I sneak up with my camera. Um, we've lit up the pink triangle seven times before, but so we, it won't be like this year, but we sneak up to, the, to that roof. But anywhere on um, Market Street would be good. Any rooftop you can get onto. You can see it when you're on Twin Peaks, as you've mentioned, you see literally hundreds of thousands of windows. So from any of those windows, you can see it. But just get somewhere high. Anywhere you can see Twin Peaks, you can see the grand illumination. I mean, here, here's, here's Illuminate's hope. Uh, you know, while we can't have a million people gather on Market Street to celebrate Pride this year, um, and you know, the idea of the parades being canceled, I just hate those words, Pride, be, Pride being canceled. Anyway, time those words Pride and cancel get in the same sentence, I get a little edgy. But I think with the idea of being online, uh, that you know, we could have five million people Pride in place. And those hundred thousands of people who can see it from their house, uh, you know, through their windows, never mind on their computer. Basically, we're figuring out how to create a good online experience. Uh, we we decided we don't want to turn it over to sort of corporate uh, events, you know, where it becomes a major uh, media sponsored event with lots of advertisements and so forth. We're just going to take it upon ourselves to own that uh, hour, 90 minutes really just sort of see if we can unearth the essence of San Francisco, the most beautiful, pain-filled memory of who we are, bring us through, you know, sort of the, the, the seeing each other, the stories, the tears, but also the rejoicing, the celebration that comes with coming through it and, and being a real place. Uh, and, and so, you know, that's the power that we have right now uh, because we don't have to worry about our advertising revenue. What we really need to worry about is creating a moment that's a, a deep connection that can reflect out into the world. And to me, you know, I, I want people to experience it from their homes and over the course of the, the uh, almost at least a couple of weeks, maybe more that it's up, you can come to the city. It won't be much difficult to social distance when you can see the light because it, it's dark at about nine o'clock. So it's pretty much the city's empty and you can explore and pick around. We ask people not to move up into Twin Peaks uh, area too much. And if you do, be super respectful that there are people who live there, don't drive cars, don't make noise, be reverential to the, or to the community and be a good citizen. But if you're at 18th and Market, have a good time, make a little ruckus uh, and, and really you know, see, the, see the piece. That's what I really wanna see. I wanna see Gilbert's flag waving and I wanna see this piece rising off in the distance, uh, creating that field of light, that acre of light that we have uh, rising up. I'm excited about that. It'll be amazing. So thank you, Ben, for, for doing that and your group Illuminate. You're going to make it extra special this year. Indeed. I'm sure all the viewers have seen the Bay Bridge and so they know what, what you're capable of. We have some, we have Illuminate is committed to uh, staying and working in San Francisco. We get invitations to work all over the world, least invitations. Uh, they are sort of interesting from a you know career perspective how, how exciting to, to think about a tall building in chicago um they're interesting from an economic remuneration perspective these people have big budgets but our but you know we're on a different thought process here sort of a more uh, spiritual exercise of what happens if you just stay put what happens if you just keep working with one community over and over again prove yourself to be a responsible player prove yourself to care deeply about the community 
you know, be determined not to sprinkle lights onto structures and buildings, to really try and understand and move deep into the history and the fabric of the city. And then with the, the deep honor of having the opportunity to work with, with people who, who committed so much of their lives to making a difference in this city, like you, Patrick, which I, I just feel wildly honored. It's, you know, it's one thing to do it once, it's one thing to do it twice, and then to do it 10 times, it's to do it 25 times. To pull your husband and your sister and your mother into it. <laughs> this, is not, this is not normal behavior. It's beautiful. Well, considering I was only 10 at the time, so now I'm 35. But anyway, it's been, it's been more than half of my life. I'm obviously much older. So it's been great. It's been 25 years, and who knows how long it will last. But the greatest joy was my mother, who we, we unfortunately lost this year. But as I tell everyone, everyone should be so lucky as to have Edith Carney as their mother, so loving and accepting, because that's what happens to a lot of gay people. You know, they're disowned by their families, fired from their jobs. And the theme of this year's Pride, you know, the virtual Pride, it was, Pride was, is generations of hope. So, and the pink triangle encompasses all of that. My, when my 95-year-old mother was there, down to the three-year-olds, you know, her great-grandchildren up there, and lots of strangers would bring their infants up there. So all the generations of hope would be up there on Twin Peaks, tying it all together. So that's what's made the 25 years worthwhile, how it's gone from a renegade crafts project to an expected part of Pride and something that's appreciated enough for the governor to show up, the Speaker of the House to show up, four mayors of San Francisco to show up, and a lot of you know, celebrities from various places that make it easy for me just to stand back and listen to them speak. But people do appreciate it, and what started out as something we were afraid we might get arrested for is now truly a part of tradition. That's great, Pat. You mean you really have, uh, you've made a difference in this city and there's this, there's this legacy. It's a nice feeling. I mean, someone, you know, I say this from someone who's, who's experienced this himself, uh, to, to sort of one day in your mind be visited with this thunderbolt <laughs> of the Bay Bridge of a canvas of light. It's something that sort of takes you over and makes your body sweat. And then, you know, sort of going through this process of fear and love and determination and then community building uh, and then the miraculousness of it existing at all. And then to know that there's so many people have a chance to interact with it uh, in a positive way. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an almost unusual feeling. I don't, I don't know how, quite how to put it. It's humbling and, and radically inspiring at the same time. Totally. It, <clears throat> not, there's no better feeling than, than having gotten something done. And to those with an idea, um, don't take no and don't even necessarily wait for permission. The Pink Triangle did not wait for permission. Sometimes you just have to do it and worry about getting permission later. So that's why the Pink Triangle is still there. And then you sometimes have to wait for the reaction. In 2009, the Pink Triangle was set on fire. Imagine a symbol which is you know, on Twin Peaks to help prevent hate crimes became a victim of a hate crime itself. You know, someone set the pink triangle on fire. I got a call at five in the morning that the fire department was up there. So sometimes, you know, you can provoke reactions you didn't expect, but you still keep going. Like a phoenix, you know, we rose from the ashes and here it is, you know, it's been 11 years and we're still there. You know, this is, and this is one of the things I love about you, Patrick. It's a little dangerous between you and me. Because... <laughs> Because you're freaking fearless, and we just keep going for this. Even like, I keep thinking, like we're we're building this bridge in front of our. Like, okay, we'll put another plank and walk a little further out. Put a plank and walk a little further out. What might torpedo us? We'll overcome it. We're gonna make it happen. We don't quite know all the parts and pieces yet, but you know, and we're still, uh, you know, Patrick's little less. Patrick's taking on huge chunks, and I'm taking on huge chunks, and we're kind of working without a lot of dialogue, just sort of going for it. But I mean. I've got to figure out how to get power to this thing. I don't really want to have a noisy, loud, or, or sort of a you know, lousy generator up there. There's that transmission tower. I'm trying to figure out how we can sneak a little power across, you know, above board. But there's so many interesting conversations that you end up having and riddles you solve. You know, it's, it's this wild well, innovation. You commit to it. You just say, this will happen. This, this is the end vision. And then you work out the steps along the way. You, you yeah. just... You start with the end product. And you In fact, know. here, since we're, since we're at the, this, the home studio, let me just do this. I'm going to take you guys into my kitchen because there's this quote I have on my wall that's been there for about 15 years above my kitchen wall. 
see if I can get that. Can you guys read that? It's, I can't just like, like oh, oh, there it is. At the moment of I commitment, the entire world conspires to ensure your success. It's a Goethe quote. And you know, it seems easy. Oh, you just commit and it gets done. Like, no, you have to sit with that word commitment for a very long time. And the truth is it's, there's a brutality to the word commitment. Commitment means you're willing to sacrifice everything else in pursuit of one thing. P commitment is, is obscene, it's terrible. Uh, Patrick has put this project on his personal credit card so many times. He's carried it across divides in ways that normal people wouldn't do. He's taken so many risks. I can relate uh, at the final throws of the Bay Lights to actually put a lien on my house to get it done. There's this wild commitment that's required. Uh, and I share that gene with you and we'll probably get into future trouble around it. But so far the world is really beautifully coming together, you know, to, uh, to conspire with us. Um, the 150 plus people on the, the GoFundMe site so far. Um, and I, and I, I feel confident that we're going to get there. The bureaucrats who will come together, the politicians, the Department of Real Estate, the, you know, the, the technical people, uh, the goats that will eat the weeds, we hope, before we get up there and get poison oak. Uh, everybody coming together, pitching in to make something magical happen in this beautiful city by the bay. That is, that oh, is so many moving parts. You, you just jump in and do it. Like you said, I, I have to be fully committed to charge it on my credit card. Way before the funds come in, I have to commit. So I start reserving the equipment, buying the materials. And the bill gets pretty, pretty frightening, but I always get it paid off. We're going to make it happen. Thank you, guys, everyone. It's around 6 o'clock right now. I didn't get to all the questions. Someone's asking what are the other emerging causes in San Francisco. I think there's going to be a lot of beautiful uh, you know, energy coming out of the tragedy that we're going through right now. And I think it's going to be tough. It's going to be a difficult path. But San Francisco is going to be a more creative, more soulful place uh, and a more enjoyable place to live once we sort through where, we're, where you know, these next, uh, I don't know how long I say, next couple of years probably. It's gonna be a long ride, but let's let the pink triangle ride, rise and, and sort of guide us to, to the, our, our, our better selves along the way. Patrick, thank you so, so much. Thank you, Shaq15, for helping make this, uh, this event happen. And for those watching still, please, if you can, go to the GoFundMe site and help share the word. Thank you. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Shaq15. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for our next Conversations podcast coming soon. If you have a story that needs to be shared, we'd love to hear from you. For more information on Shack 15 and our community, you can email info at shack15.com, connect with us on Instagram, or visit our website at shack15.com. <laughs>